Hebrews chapter 12, reading verses 1 through 4. Wherefore, seeing we also were compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. <clears throat> the book of Hebrews, I would say, is main theme is superiority of Christ over the law, over the angels, over the Levitical priesthood. And it's about also about perseverance. Take heed lest you hear. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart is in the provocation. What some of the people, I think, were trying to do, those that were still living under the law, were trying to bring the people that had trusted in Christ, believing in Christ, trying to bring them back, back under all the laws, all the regulations, all the Sabbath days, holy days, and all the different things that they eat. And they were trying to deceive them and pull them back and pull them back. And here we see he speaks of those that he has given faith. They will and they do persevere. You are kept by the power of God. If he did not keep you, you would have already left. <clears throat> but here, <clears throat> in the word of God, uh, children of God are described in many different ways. Our life is described as a warfare. That will not end until we leave this world. It is a constant, for a believer, it is a constant battle. There's, there's no furloughs. There's no taking a break. There's no, there's no going home to seeing family. It is a constant, constant struggle. Even as I sit right there and try to listen to Shara sing that song, I had to bring my mind back because it wanted to wander off on something else. You know what that is? That's a battle. Battle. You did an excellent job, blessed my heart. But it was a struggle. I wished it wasn't so, but it just is. Then it is a work. We don't work for our salvation, but it is a labor that we won't rest until our work is done. Paul said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Enter into his vineyard, his vineyard. We labor in his vineyard. And then thirdly, the life of a believer is described as a race that must be run. <clears throat> no one else can run the race for you. You have a race that he set out for you, and you run that race. And only those who finish the race are rewarded with the crown of life, which the Lord shall give to those who love his appearing. 
There in verse 1 of chapter 12 where it says wherefore. You know, I've mentioned several times before that when you see the word wherefore or therefore refers back to what he's just saying. Now, it not, not only means what he said in chapter 11, but it even goes back a little bit farther, plumbed back in chapter 10, verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, and we sure do, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. We need patience to run the race. Or you know what? You'll quit. Because you grow weary, you grow tired, and you grow discouraged. You would. You'd say it's just too hard. It's just too difficult. Well, I'll give you an assignment. Go read chapter 11. Which is, it is a list of all the, or most of the believers in the Old Testament, majority of them, prominent ones, then how they lived. They had a race. Like I mentioned earlier in the Bible class, Moses. Think of Moses. Think of his life. Well, he, he began his race when they put him in a, in, a, in a basket there in an ark in the river. Another part of his race is when Pharaoh's daughter found him and brought him into Pharaoh's house and raised him for 40 years. That was part of his race. And then the Lord takes him to the backside of the desert for another 40 years and then brings him out and he leads the children of God. And when he'd finished his race, the Lord took him home. He finished it. He finished it. They all struggled. They all, some, some were actually sawn in two in a log. Some were stoned. Some were led to live in caves, and that was part of their race. But you know what? Every one of them. You know what what they all had in common? They all died believing God. Isn't that amazing? Faith is an amazing thing from an amazing God that God would enable you to believe. Wherefore? Wherefore, because we walk by faith. Wherefore, because of these who have run their race. Seeing we also were compassed about with so great a cloud of of witnesses. What do they witness to the grace of God? They witness that his grace is sufficient. Whatever you go through, it is sufficient. They can testify to it. It's a race. When we think about a race, we must consider self-denial and discipline. Just physically, I wished I could run. I used to could. You've probably heard me tell this little story. I remember my goal when I was a little, when just a little tot was I had three sisters, but my oldest sister, she could run like a rabbit. I thought, boy, if I can beat her, I've, won, I've done something, and I did. <laughs> I don't remember how. I just barely remembered. I wasn't probably seven or eight years old, and she was probably about ten. But running, I used, to, I used to love it. I think you did. I think Danny used to tell me, if you've ever been to his farm, plumb on the backside, that's a pretty good run. He would run back there. That's before he got a side-by-side. <laughs> but running, it takes... Discipline. I know some of you do run. 
It takes discipline. And you know what our life is? It's the life of discipline. Of discipline to run the race that is set before us. The life of a child is not a life of ease. We don't float to heaven on flowery beds of ease. Our Lord said in his word, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Someone that runs must sacrifice everything to run the race. It's hard training. The Lord teaches to sacrifice everything to run the race that is set before us. In a race, men run. How do we run? We run with patience the race that is set before us. I can see people, you know, in a race. Now, this is not, it's not just a 100-meter race or something like that. You know, you're going to run wide, out, wide open the whole race. No, this is a marathon. You better pace yourself. And that's what it is. That's patience. Well, I want to just speed on up. I want to outrun this guy. No, you're not about outrunning him. It's about you looking to Christ, and we'll see that in a little bit. We only run when we are anxious to get to a certain place when something is motivating us. Abraham, in his race, was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God, and he never stopped looking. Never. Moses believed God. I mean, Noah did that it was going to rain, and he believed him, and he built the ark. He moved by faith. That was part of his race. For 120 years, building an ark and preaching the gospel to those men, and they probably just mocked him. You know what Paul said to the Galatians? I pray this would never be said of us by God's grace. He said, you did run well. Who did hinder you? They had took off running. The, the race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. It's not who runs the fastest. You wire yourself out. You did run well. You took off well. But what happened? He that endures to the end shall be saved. And someone that come to my mind was Orpha, Ruth's sister-in-law. They both started out on the way to Bethlehem of Judah. And they went so far. But Orpha turns and goes back. It's too difficult. It's going to cost too much. And it says, if you read on in there, I was reading it the other day where Boaz said to Ruth, he said, it's been told that you left your father and your mother in Moab. You left your family. You left it all. Why? She said, I'm going to follow Naomi. She said, wherever you go, I'm going. Your God's my God, and your people will be my people. And where they bury you is where they're going to bury me. You know what she did? She made up her mind. She didn't care how difficult it was. And that was her race. That was her race. Her, but thank goodness her race landed her on Boaz's field. And he gave her some handsfuls on purpose 
to bring her to himself. In running a race, physically and spiritually, there are certain things that we must do. Here it says we must lay away every weight and this and the sin. You notice the definite article? I'm trying to act smart. <laughs> the sin. It doesn't say sins. The sin. And the sin which so easily, easily besets us. You can't run away race with everything trying to weight you down. It doesn't matter if it's a bag of gold or it's a bag of iron. It doesn't matter. It's just weights. They are hindrances. As he told the Galatians, you did run well. Who did hinder you? You know who I think about? I think about the pilgrim and pilgrim's progress. He's leaving the city of destruction. He's going to the celestial city. And for a long time, he has an old weight, an old pack on his back. You know what that is? That's the burden of sin. And one day it rolls off. (laughs) That's gone. It was just an old weight. Our Lord said to his disciples, If any man will come to me, will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The Bible tells us about mortifying the deeds of the body. <clears throat> Abstain from fleshly lust that war wars against the soul. You know we're saved by grace. And I try to preach the gospel as clear and as plain as I can say it. But there is a responsibility. We are responsible. There's two things that we must discard. All unnecessary burdens and long flowing garments that would entangle our running. First of all, it says weights. Lay aside every weight. These are things that we voluntarily hold on to ourselves. You know what it is? We just won't turn it loose. We'll hold on to it. I could see in Orpha's mind, she said, I can't leave. I'm going to go back. Ruth had cast it away. Sin refers to inward depravity. Mr. Pink said, many make a great mistake, now listen, in entertaining the thought that their spiritual life is being much tendered by the very things that which should, by divine grace, be a help to us. Whether it's opposition from the world, whatever you're dealing with, we think those are weights that hinder us. No, those are things God uses to chasten us, to teach us, to look to him. The very things we think sometimes maybe are a hindrance, God sent it as a blessing. But there's many things we too, we just hang on to. He said these, opposition from the world, from your relatives, trials, and many other things. These are real trials. These things are sent to remind us that we still live in a wicked world. If those things were not there, we would just quit running. 
A weight is something which we are at liberty to cast aside, but, in, but instead we choose to hold on to it. It's anything. Listen, what is a weight? It is anything that would hinder our progress. Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forth unto the things which are before me. Anything which dulls the conscience is a weight. Like I said, sitting there trying to listen, try, trying by God's grace to worship. It was such a struggle. It was such a weight that would just dull your conscience. The cares of the world weigh down the soul as effectually as does us greedily grasping after the things of the earth. Lay aside every weight. And who, you know who lays it aside? You do. I do. Lay it aside. You know what? It's just not worth it. So we start could just, you know, it just weights just pulls you down. You know what it does? It also wears you out. Not only pulls you down and hinders you, but it just wears you out. So lay aside every weight. And only God by his grace can show us what these weights are. What might be a weight to me might not be a weight to you. And these sins, and the sin, which does so easily beset us. So what is that sin, the sin, which does so easily beset us? Now we all have things that we desire and things that do easily beset us, but that's not what it's talking about. What is the sin that does so easily beset us? What, he's been, what has he been talking about in the context? He's been talking about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not sin. You know the sin that so easily besets every one of us? Unbelief. You know, what if Noah hadn't believed God? What if he hadn't built the ark? What if, what if Abraham hadn't left the earth of the Chaldees? It said, it said Sarah, by faith, received strength to conceive seed. By faith. She laughed when she didn't believe. How in the world can I have a child when I'm 90-some years old? That's what unbelief says. Faith says, I believe God. Believe him. Said, I, I just, I, you know, just don't believe. Don't believe. The sin, and it does so easily. Isn't it so easy? We think it's gone and something happens and we grumble about it. You know what that is? That's unbelief. Unbelief. <clears throat> it so easily passes, hinders us. Some said we must lay aside these things before we can ever run. There must be putting off the old man and putting on the new man. 
he used the singular form of the word sin, not the plural. He's talking about one single sin. One single sin. What did hinder Adam? Unbelief. One sin. Unbelief. I want you to get this. You get if you don't get anything else this morning. Unbelief, more than anything else, hinders us in our race. Unbelief caused the disciples to cry out, Lord, do you not care? Do you, you not care that we perish? Unbelief called Mary and Martha to question our Lord's goodness, that if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Unbelief called, caused Peter to sink in the water when he was walking upon it. Unbelief. Unbelief causes our hands to hang down, makes our feeble knees weak, and turn our, turns our feet off the course. Unbelief. Lord, remember what the man said? The disciples couldn't cast the demon out of his son, and the man said, if you can do anything, help us. And you know what the Lord said? You put the if in the wrong place. If you can believe, now listen to me. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And you know what this man said? Lord, I do believe, but help thou my unbelief. I want to believe him. I want to trust him. You know, we, we see those in the Old Testament and we go, how did they endure that? By grace. They believed him. I know we read in the Old Testament, Sarah laughed, but our Lord didn't record it in Hebrews 11. He said, by faith she received strength to conceive seed. <clears throat> We are encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. All those mentioned in chapter 11, they all ran the race. They had the race that they must run. And they all finished the race because they all died in faith. Paul said, I've finished my course. How he knew it, we don't know. He was sitting there at probably the last later he wrote 2 Timothy, he knows he's getting ready to die. I finished my course. And he had. Look how my, look, go home and look in the back of your Bible, a map where Paul went on missionary journey. Just look at that race. <laughs> he goes up here to Ephesus, and then he comes back, and he goes, you look how far it is from, from Jerusalem to Rome. And the Lord took him to Caesar's house. And preach the gospel to those people sitting in a prison cell. You know why? He was the Lord's servant. <clears throat> Let us run with patience or persistence. We must persevere until the end. We know we that we say we believe in the five points of grace. What is the last one? 
perseverance or the preservation of God's saints. Those that he chose, those that he elected, those who he redeemed, those who he made willing in the day of his power, they will, every one of them, persevere. They will not quit. They will not turn back. They won't. You know why? Because he's the one who enables them. He said, isn't it amazing that he recorded all that in chapter 11? We read that sometimes and I'm going, man, Boy, I want to believe the Lord like that. I want, to, I want to believe him. I want to trust him. Not trusting in what I have, not trusting in my abilities or whatever it is. Listen, the righteous shall hold on his way, and he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. We are, this is what he said in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 14. We are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. We look at the little word if and we think, well, maybe. No, that means since. Someone said, I think it was Brother Rupert said one time, if you can take all the ifs in the scripture and hang them upon Christ, they all become promises. It's a promise more than a precept. It's, it ain't saying, well, if you hold on to the confidence in your endurer, no, it's because he's promised to keep you. And you will, being steadfast, steadfast unto the end. When it comes to my mind is Caleb. He's 80 years old. He's seen people die in the wilderness for the last 40 years. And he remembers what the Lord promised him through Moses, eh? He promised him that Mount Horeb. And there's Anakins, there's giants that live in that mountain. But he said, the Lord promised it to me. And he said, I'm as strong now as I was 40 years ago. There's no way physically that he's as strong as he was 40 years. But spiritually he is. That's what we're talking about. This is spiritual strength. The Amplified Bible paraphrases it this way. Now listen. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off and throw aside every encumberment, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily and cleverly clings to and entangles us. Let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race, that is set before us. So we run, we know we must lay aside every weight and this sin which does so easily beset us. But how do we run? We're, we're not running this race looking to somebody else. And we're not running the race looking behind us to see if we're outrunning somebody. I don't know if y'all seen it. It was the funniest thing I'd seen in a long time. It was a football game, a college game a couple weeks ago. And this guy, he's, he's running, man. He's outrunning everybody. And there's a couple of guys just about to catch him. And he's about five yards from the end zone. You know what he does? He does this. And you know what? The next thing you know, he's on his face. And he didn't make it in the end zone. You know why? He was worried about somebody catching him. <laughs> 
just one little turn, then that describes us, and we're so entangled. And you know what we do? We fall flat on our face. Boy, I'm out running to the next guy. No. No. How do we run? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. That's how we run. We look to him. We have looked. We are looking, and we shall continue to look. Notice it says looking unto Jesus. It didn't say looking unto Christ. Looking unto Jesus. This name has reference to his humiliation. How did he run the race? Did he have a race set before him? We sure he did. We know that he was he's everlasting. He always has been. But in his humanity, now listen, in his humanity, he was born in a stable. Then Herod wanted to try to kill him, so he got to go from Bethlehem to Egypt. And then they're leaving Egypt and coming back, and the angel says that Herod's son now reigns in his stead, and they go to Nazareth. He lives there for about 30 years or so. And in his ministry, his ministry only lasts about, and you think about three years, that's, that's nothing. Three to three and a half years. But during his course, he set his face to go like a flint to Jerusalem. He comes to Jerusalem, and when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he prays and they come to get him, he said, if you've come to get me, let these go. And he goes and he's stripped He's mocked, and he not only endures all that, but then he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And he endured it. How did Jesus Christ live upon this earth? He lived in perfect obedience and trusted in the Lord perfectly for everything, even when he was tempted Satan says, why don't you turn these stones into bread? And he could have, but he didn't. He trusted the Father to provide for him. Who is our example? Not, it's not those in chapter 11. It, we, 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 look, we do see those, but we don't consider those. It says you consider him. Consider what he endured. You've not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. You've not had to shed your blood as a martyr. Who is our example? It's him. It's him. You know, I'm so glad he never stopped. You know, when he prayed in the garden, and I don't understand this, he said, Father, not my will, but thine be done. He trusted in the Father, and the Father trusted in him. Somebody has to believe God. Somebody has to trust God perfectly. And nobody, none of those in the Old Testament did. There's only one, and that's Christ. And you know how we were received? Because of what he did in our place. He's the one that finished the course. And he's, where's he at now? When did he finish it? When he is set down at the right hand 
of the Father. It's finished. But look where it took him. All through these things. People reviled him. They hated him. The contradiction of sinners against himself. They said he's a, he's a wino. He's born to fornication. That's what they said. His whole life he was hated and despised and rejected. Now that's the example. That's the example. <coughs> he is the perfect example. what true faith is. He said, um, and he, in Matthew 11, he said, um, he's hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and he's revealed it unto babes. He said, even so, Father, did it seem good in your sight to do so. And you know what he did? Let me find it. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy set before him? Well, it could be a lot of things. It could be doing the Father's will. But I think it also means, like in Isaiah 53, he saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. That he knew when he died. That even though, you know, when they mocked him on the cross, they said he believed in God. Let's see if God will come get him. Let's see if God will deliver him. He did trust him. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Who for the joy that was set before him. You know what? He loved his bride. No question about it. He's got to redeem her. If he, what if he had to quit? It's just too hard. What if he just said it ain't worth it? No, nothing would hinder him. He endured it. We can't even, listen, we can't even begin to imagine. We don't even know what sin is. He does. And he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The pain, this, the, he made his soul an offering for sin, not just his body. It was the soul suffering. You imagine dealing with that. Everybody just hates you. Nobody cares about you. You're an imposter. You're a fake. He did. You know why? To save you. To save you. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the captain and he's the perfecter of our faith. Someone said, you know, he's the one who blazed the trail. When we was able to go out west last year, who was it? Those that went out and searched, Lewis and Clark. And you go out there and you, stay, you imagine just standing there, just think for a minute what it was like when they come out there. They mapped all this stuff down. You imagine that. They mapped all this down. And you come up to this big river. Now, how are you going to get across that river? Somewhere they got across it. And they kept on. And they kept writing. You know what they did? They blazed the trail. Nobody knew what's out there. <laughs> We've heard, but nobody knows. He knows. He's blazed the trail for us. You know why we're going to glory? Because he finished his course. 
He sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's why we're going. That's why we're going. And that's why we look to him. He's the captain and the perfecter of our faith. True faith will be tried severely. We're just reading Abraham's life. Abraham, take your son, your only son, and offer him up to me. Okay. He gets up the next morning, takes the three-day journey. He's going to go off for that son. Why? He believed God. He believed that if he sacrificed Isaac, God would raise him from the dead. He's the captain and the completer. He's the captain of our salvation. Listen, I thought this was good. Someone said, the more we are looking unto Jesus, the easier it is to lay aside every weight. Compared to what he endured, we've not endured anything. Compared to what some of the other ones endured, you may, we hadn't endured. We hadn't endured somebody driving up and they come in here with guns or whatever and they said, you can't be worshiping in Jesus' name. We're going to shut you down. Like they did Bunyan and put him in prison for about 12 years. All you got to do is quit preaching. You just got to quit preaching that gospel and we'll let you out. He said, I ain't doing it. And it was in that prison cell that that man wrote, they think is one of the greatest books next to the Bible written in the English language. Sitting in there. He's drawing all these. You know what? If you've ever seen one of the old ones, which has got the pictures of Pilgrim and stuff in it, he wrote those because his daughter Mary that he loved that was blind would bring him lunch in a little brown paper bag, and he would draw them pictures on them brown paper bags. <laughs> he didn't. What are you going to do? Well, boy, it takes a lot of patience to sit right here and do nothing. <laughs> but, you know, they said when he got out, when he finally got out, and they lifted the band. He said he quit writing. One of the greatest works that Spurgeon wrote was the Treasury of David on the book of Psalms. And he wrote that when he was in such affliction. His, he had the gout so bad he would have to go to a warm climate because it wouldn't be so much pain. Those are just examples. You know how they did it? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto him. When you see him, it's like Peter and John. He come up to them and they said, follow me. You know what they did? Immediately, they followed him. <laughs> Verses 3 and 4, For consider him that endured such contradiction as sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. It's just hard. When you feel like quitting, you consider him. Consider him. Unless you become weary, that word means to be exhausted. Consider what he suffered. His whole life was one of suffering. Consider what he endured. 
How's a man endured that? You know, it's a, it, to me, it's a miracle he ever made it to the cross. Because, you know, they, and we don't know that they stopped at 39 lashes. They said with that cat of nine tails, if you beat a man 40 lashes, it, he would it'd kill him. And they didn't care where they hit him. They didn't care if they hit him in the back. They didn't care if they hit him in the head or in the face. Because when that, those nine fingers had bone or glass in it, and when it hit you and they ripped it, it just ripped out the flesh. I bet he didn't even look like I bet you couldn't they did, I bet you wouldn't even have recognized him. And that's just that's just the physical sufferings. That ain't even compared to the spiritual anguish of the soul. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know why God forsook him? That he wouldn't forsake you. Someone has to believe God. Someone has to make the payment, and he did. And he did. That city Abraham was looking for, it's the Lord. He's looking for him. He never stopped. He endured such contradiction of sinners, and he opened not his mouth. Somebody says something about us, boy, the first thing we want to do is for defend ourselves, ain't it? We, do they know who they're talking to? <laughs> do they know who they're talking about? Yeah, just some old worm. He gave himself over to their wills, and he allowed them to do whatever they wanted to do. And when God, when Pilate delivered him to their will, they didn't accept him as their personal savior. No, they said we're going to take him out and crucify him. You know what old Barnard said? He said if God hadn't restrained them, we were so wicked and so vile, we would have become cannibals, and we would have ate him. So as you run the race. Consider him. And you know what? One day he's coming back to get all those for whom he died. And the race will be, it'll be run, it'll be done. And you know what? We're going home. <laughs>